Texas Money and Business, absolutely. And it's so good to have you right here on KEXB, 620 AM, your business experts. My name is Ron Taylor, and Doug Parker with uh, Ambitious Radio Network is here and a great guest lined up today. Doug, it's good to see you. Welcome. Ron, great to see you as well. And you, you did say KEXB, 620 AM, right? That's right. KEXB, 620 AM, all new and uh, uh, business uh, radio. And uh, we're excited to be at this position, uh, reaching more people at 620 AM, Doug. And so it's very exciting. Yeah, I'm excited about it as well. You know, the problem is I had just gotten used to the other call letters and, and finally <laughs> the uh, the numbers and letter combinations. So now i got to learn something all over yes, you uh, do. again. But anyway, <laughs> hey, it's good to have a strong uh, stream and we are Definitely uh, a lot more easy to hear now on, uh, what is this thing called again? 620, K- yeah, you got yes. it. It's 620 AM. And 620 AM, K-E-X-B, E-X-B right? Uh-huh. Experts cool. in business. Experts in business, fantastic. Okay, well, hey, as we get started, welcome. It's the Ambitious Radio Network, and my name is Doug Parker. We, uh, you know, Today we've got a great guest, and you know, we've had several shows. We've been doing this for a few months now, and, and we're trying to get better and better as we go. Uh, we're going to talk about business, entrepreneurship, finance. You know, hopefully we'll have some interesting interviews and topics that you'll find that relates to your business, and you can take it back and apply it right when you get done listening to us. So, uh, we could, may, all this is made possible by our sponsors: FreeElectricityDFW.com, RepairMyCreditNow.com, and All3Reports.com. That's all the number three reports with an S.com if you want a copy of your credit report. And you know, we're going to go over successful business principles, quotes. And again, interview people that are in the business world that are really doing it right now. And so uh, today we've got James Coleman. James is, James is with the Online Edge social media firm that specializes in search engine optimization and maximizing traffic from Facebook and, and generating leads for people that have a presence on the web. And I was talking to James in kind of one of the pre-show meetings, and, and he had mentioned one of his favorite quotes. And it's the, you're the average of the five people you spend the most time with by Jim Rohn. And, and you know, I, I really have uh, really liked that quote over the years, and I didn't know who had said it. So, I, so James, thanks so much for for uh, for sending that over to me. So tell us a little bit about yourself, James. Welcome to the show. Sure, sure. Well, thanks for having me on, first of all, guys. I always like to, to share some, some business principles, how I got started, and, and a little bit about myself, because hopefully it'll encourage somebody else to step out and, and accomplish their dreams. Uh, but, uh, but first of all, you know, I'm just a, I'm a Michigan boy that uh, grew up in Michigan in Cape Cod, Massachusetts, and got down here to Texas as quick as I can. Uh, love the weather and love the people and I love the pace of life. Yeah, I tell you what, man, I, I didn't realize you spent time in, in Cape Cod. I knew you were from Michigan, and this time of the year, you know, it's, it's probably all right, but here in just, you know, six or eight weeks, it gets a little chilly up there. <laughs> yeah, to say the least. We went uh, in July, as a matter of fact, we went to Cape Cod. And it was so cold the last day we were there, we were wearing sweaters on the beach. Really? <laughs> yeah. That is ridiculous. You know, one time I went to San Francisco, and I'm thinking, I'm going to California. It was in June, and I had no idea. It was something like 45 or 50 degrees and foggy. It was miserable. I had no idea it was that kind of temperature out there. Yeah, it's crazy. Yes, sir. So, you know, you grew up in in, uh, in, in Massachusetts. You, you uh, were born in Michigan. And then what prompted you to come down to Texas? You know, I actually came down here to study to be a pastor. I uh, I was young, ambitious, and thought, man, I'm gonna I'm gonna conquer the world. I'm gonna be a pastor, and I'm gonna get a bunch of people saved. And so I came down here for seminary school and uh, started my internship, and really realized I did not want to be a pastor after I went through all my training. You know, I tell you what, I and, and I know you personally, so I know you're you're a, a, a 
man of God and and a, a good a good man. And I know that you have not changed what your goals are. You're still on fire doing things for the Lord, but um, working with your church and all kinds of other things. But it sounds like you kind of found a passion to you know to do something that wasn't necessarily day to day in ministry. But now, where, where did you go to school? Was it was it Christ for the Nations? Is that where you went? That's correct. Yep, I went there, and uh, that's as a matter of fact, that's where I met my wife. Gotcha, gotcha. Well, hey, can't go wrong there. Get you a good Christian woman for sure. Yep. So you went to school, and then that transition, you decided, hey, look, I, I want to do more of the business route. So mm-hmm. you left left the school there, and, and then t- tell us a little bit about, from a business perspective, um, what was kind of some of your first jobs, that, you know, going through school or getting out of school? Sure. On my first job out of school, I, I became the marketing director for the Phoenix Midtown in downtown Dallas. And uh, what I didn't realize at the time is they were trying to hang a failure on my neck because they needed a scapegoat. Uh-oh. What they didn't know was I was a pretty smart dude. So I took their property from a 72% occupancy and losing money to a 94% occupancy in a matter of two months. Uh, and the way I did that is I, I literally just went around to the different uh, different businesses in the telecom corridor back then and said, hey, I know you guys have consultants coming into the area and they're, they're staying in hotels. Why don't we do executive leases with you guys and we'll furnish the apartments. We'll have it set up to where somebody can come stay for an extended period of time and feel comfortable. Uh, and it went off like a, like a hit. Everybody loved me. I turned into a hero. Uh, but, you know, when you turn into a hero, first job, all of a sudden you get real smart. Right, right. <laughs> so, so yeah, I went from that. I, I jumped in, tried to uh, start my own my own business with my wife uh, immediately after that, but had no idea uh, first thing about business, and failed the first the first time I went into business. After three months, I found myself desperate, and that I jumped into the car business. Okay. So that was uh, my second real job was was selling cars at Honda Cars and McKinney. I did that for for several years, uh, and was pretty good at it. Uh, yeah, yeah. Well, you know, so when you talk about failures, you know, here, here's the one thing that I've found that's consistent with entrepreneurs. Mm-hmm. You know, you very seldom does anyone have an overnight success. You know, you, you have mm-hmm. a bunch of failures that line up to your successes, and, and it may be in your current company or it may be uh, failing in other companies and, and then finally having a success. And I, I forget the exact statistics. Somebody told me one time that like 76% of all statistics, statistics are made up right on the spot, but. Uh, <laughs> You know, I think it was was a number something like ninety percent of all small businesses fail within the first five years, and mm-hmm. so you know, whenever I was starting, you know, some of my businesses, that was one of the things that I really was on the lookout for was, hey, if if fifty percent of them fail, kind of like you were saying, I feel like I'm a pretty bright guy. I work hard. I do, mm-hmm. you know, whatever it takes. But the other piece of that puzzle is there's a lot of successful people out there. There's things out of your control. And so I just figured I'm probably going to have to start three or four or five businesses if I'm going to really have one make it across the finish line and, and really have the kind of success that I'm looking for. So in that failure, was there anything specific? What, what type of business was it? Well, it was actually uh, uh, it was a network marketing company that we got involved with, and we started a lead generation company that supported uh, consultants. Uh, it was really, really good. We were generating leads and selling leads to, to folks and, and calling and making our own sales. Uh, but what ended up happening uh, was uh, they changed the the payout structure to an as earned structure. So instead of uh, earning, you know, thirty thousand dollars that month, we ended up earning three thousand dollars a month, and we were we were leveraging ourselves. Uh, and I learned a big lesson in a single point of failure. And uh, so now every time I look at any type of opportunity, 
I always look for what's the single point of failure that could potentially come up and bite me. Sure. No, that, that makes perfect sense. And, you know, when, when you talk about success, I mean, when you're having success, and I've had this, this Achilles heel where you think that everything you touch is going to turn to gold because it just is right now. But every season, you know, has a beginning, a middle, and an end. And, you know, you've got to be prepared with multiple streams of income and, and you know, kind of uh, hedging what you've got going on. So I think that's very wise, you know, that you're saying, you know, that, that you've got, you know, there's just dynamics that can change. And if, if you're living paycheck to paycheck in business, it's, it's a lot different than living paycheck to paycheck as an individual. Uh, yep. It's still stressful, but the bottom line is you can't go down to the bank and borrow 30 or 40 grand for this week's payroll, uh, you know, kind of a deal. So it's, it's not like the payday lender. You can go down and get a couple hundred bucks to get you by. So, um, you know, we've got just a, just a couple more minutes in, in this, uh, in this session. I know that, uh, you had mentioned that, you know, one of your favorite books to me, uh, was, it was how to, how to win friends and influence people, right? Yep. Okay. Matt Dale Carnegie. Yeah, yeah, that's a great book. I, I've I've read it uh, a couple times, but it's been several years. So, so tell me a little bit of why that's your favorite book, and and some of the things that that you took out of it. Well, sure. It actually goes back to uh, I went through Dale Carnegie training as a as a young salesperson. Uh, I realized very quickly that I was only connecting with a small percentage of the people I talked to, uh, and through the training, I I, I realized that. You know, it takes a lot of skill. It takes a lot of development for somebody to be able to connect with more than one type of individual. Uh, so I was rec- they recommended it was uh, Frank Starkey was my was my teacher. He said you need to read How to Win Friends and Influence People by Dale Carnegie, and it really helped me develop my skill set and and connecting with people and making friends and being interested in the person before before I'm interested in the dollar. And uh, it's really it just really revolutionized my my life and my sales career because I, I approached everybody differently. Yeah, I think that's great stuff. And, and we've sent over the years several people from our organizations to the, the Dale Carnegie training. Matter of fact, my son went through it and it really is a great program. And, and you know, you think of salespeople going through it. And, but I don't, I don't know about in your class, but I've seen in, in several of these classes over the years where you'll take someone that's a little bit more introverted and they're not so outspoken and run them through that program. And it really gives them some fundamentals on public speaking. And, and really, not that we're giving Dale Carnegie a plug or, or paying us or anything, but bottom line is, I believe in it. It's, it's a real deal. And it sounds like, I, I didn't even know you'd been through the class, but it sounds like you, uh, you're a believer in it as well. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, when, when they make you stand up in front of a class of people and act out, you know, I'm a little teapot, and seriously, it changes it changes how you think about talking in front of people. Yeah, I bet it does. Well, I'll tell you what, we're wrapping up this segment. Uh, I just want to kind of throw out there, I know that you are a Facebook expert. We're going to get into that here in a few minutes. But we do have a Facebook page now. So like us on Facebook, the Ambitious Radio Network. Remember, if you miss something on the show, we're going to put it on Facebook or on ambitiousradio.com. Try to get their SAP so you can go back and reference the books or the different things that we're talking about. Tune in after the break. We're going to be talking more to James about websites, search engine optimization, SEO, and everything else you'd ever want to know about websites right here on the Ambitious Radio Network. Indeed, Texas money and business here on KEXB experts in business. I'm Ron Taylor. It's good to have you here. Doug Parker with Ambitious Radio Network and a great guest today, Doug. Thanks, Ron. Thanks so much. At KEXB, I got to get that in my head. KEXB. <laughs> it's experts in business, 620 AM. That's right. 
experts in business. Well, I guess that's what I am. So Indeed. here we go. Um, so today we've got James Coleman on the show with us. And James is really, you know, he, he is an expert in search engine optimization or SEO. And, and James, tell us a little bit about that. I mean, I hear that term thrown around a lot. But what exactly is SEO? Sure. Well, there's a lot of myths about SEO and, and there's a lot of a lot of vagueness around my industry. But the bottom line is SEO is setting up your website and putting all the tools and all the proper pieces in place to get you ranked on the first page of Google to increase your your relevancy. Uh, and so the bottom line is it's making your website tell the stories to the search engines so they know what you do. Gotcha. Now, I've heard the terms black hat and white hat and all kinds of stuff thrown around, and I'm sure no different than in, in the industries that I'm in. There are guys that do stuff the right way, and there's guys that do stuff the wrong way, and it's just a matter of time. It may work temporarily if they're doing it the wrong way, but eventually Big Brother comes in and, and steps in and checks it out, and, and Google is as Big Brother as it gets. So I know yep. you threw that out there. So so talk to us a little bit about black hat, white hat. What does that really mean? Sure. Well, it's... So the industry, if, if, you, if you take a look, you take a step back and just say, hey, SEO 101, your website has to be stronger than your competitor's website that you're trying to compete with on the first page of Google. Uh, most search engine optimization companies, uh, what they do is they find a hole in these search engines algorithms. Typically, they're targeting Google. And what they'll do is they'll exploit that hole until that hole's fixed. Uh, that's called black hat. The uh, the proper way to do it, or white hat, is is the the coin the, the term that everybody coined in the industry. And what that is is basically making sure that all the pieces are in place that all the search engines are looking for coding wise, and then making sure that your website is stronger than your competitor's website on the first page of Google, and then making sure that you're you're telling the the, the correct story to the search engines. So when they go through and they do the indexing of your website that you place well and you place properly. Um, it takes a little bit more work. It's a lot more, uh, it's a lot more in depth and there's no shortcut to it, but when you do it right, it's fantastic. So when you say stronger, so, you know, I, I've also heard there like keywords and stuff like that, but I know that the technology has really changed over the years. And so we want to make sure our audience is sure. you know, getting what they need and, and those types of things. So what is stronger can you go into depth at all on that kind of what sure, that means? Absolutely. Well, there's there's some great tools out in, on the web that can give you information. Like one of them is called SiteLiner that we use. Uh, and you can plug in your competition's website in the first page of Google, and it'll tell you how many pages deep their website is. Uh, that is a huge indicator of how strong the website is. If you're a 20-page website and you're trying to get to the first page of Google and you're competing with a website that's 250 pages that are relevant, it's going to be extremely difficult for you to rank higher than that website. Um, there's other factors that come into play, like coding. Obviously, you've got uh, you got to make sure that you've got all the all the pieces in place on your website that the search engines are looking for: your robots, your your site maps, your me your metadata, your alt image tags, all that nerdy stuff that we all talk about. You have to have all that into place. And if if, if your competitor's website's a little bit stronger than yours, but their coding is messed up, and you can you can get all your coding set up properly, then you can have an advantage over them. But the strength of a website, there's a lot of different factors that go into it. But, but the biggest the, the biggest piece is the amount of pages on the website and also the amount of traffic driven to the website and then the and then the coding that's that's uh, attached to the website in the back end. 
Gotcha. So, so pages, when we're talking about that, so that's relevant content, you know, for instance, the Ambitious Radio Network. So we started this a few months ago. We've got ambitiousradio.com is, is our website. And it's a relatively new site, so three months old. Now, mm-hmm. I was actually just looking at it today, and basically it wasn't showing up on any search engine. So I'm thinking, when is this thing ever going to get on there? You know, I'm, I'm doing stuff. Uh, the you know, Ambitious Radio, I'm Googling it, and I, I put in ambitiousradio.com, and nothing even pulls up at first. And mm-hmm. I'm wondering when it's going to hit. So yesterday I plug it in, and I realized that something happened. Something has changed, and I don't know what. But now there's the, the uh, iTunes is on there for the page that's directed towards that. We've got the actual page itself. There's a listen page that's now showing up. So t- talk a little bit about that. When you've got a, you know, a new, brand-new website, is there any standard amount of time before it starts typically showing up in the search engines? And, and, and if so, is there any way to expedite that process? Well, there's not really a, a way where you can expedite it. You can make sure that uh, that you tell the search engines to come back as soon as possible uh, with your with your robots txt. But basically, uh, what happened to you? I know exactly what happened. Is your website uh, was probably indexed the first time, um, and they just you know new website. Okay, we're not going to put them on the first page. Uh, they came back, indexed you the second time, said okay, they're still there. Not much has changed. They've added to it, and they came back and they indexed you again. And they said, okay, this, this is more relevant, so now we need to put them in a, in a good position. For a new website, we typically say 60 to 90 days till you start to see your first placement on the first page of, of Google, Yahoo, and Bing. Uh, a great way to tell when the last time your website was indexed is if you go to your homepage, uh, copy the URL, and then put info colon, and then put your, uh, in the Google search bar, put uh, info colon, and then put your, your paste URL with the HTTP and everything in front of it, and it'll tell you the last time your, your website was, was, uh, was indexed. Okay, okay, that's pretty cool. That's relevant. So let's go over it again. So you, you copy your URL from your website. Uh-huh. You go to Google. You type in info colon, and then just paste that in there, and then that'll tell you the last time mm-hmm. that Google looked at your website. Correct. Yep, and then um, just to make sure that all of your pages are actually being seen, you can put site colon and the same URL, and it should pull up every single page that is on that website. So if you if your website's five pages deep, it'll say five results. If you've got 120, it'll say 120 results. Oh, that's cool. So mm-hmm. that that's that's pretty relevant information. Now I just did that while we were sitting here, and and lo and behold, there it is now. It doesn't tell me what the date is or anything. I don't see that on here, but but I'm, should, I'm just looking. There at should it. be a, a cache or a, a index information, the first link there in that in that record. When you click on it, it'll take you to your website with a little bar on the top that has their indexing info. Gotcha, gotcha. As a Google cache or something. Cool. Mm-hmm. So that's that's really interesting. Now you mentioned like robots.txt, and we're not going to dive too deep into that. But bottom line is, it sounds like there's a bunch of technical stuff that you know you can do some things on your own. But it but it also sounds like there are really Things that are unless you're really technical and into that kind of stuff, it, it's it, if you really want to be ranked on Google, um, you, you probably want to hire a professional to help you out a little bit. But I mean, is this stuff that you really can do on your own, or or really is it like you can build your own house, but nobody ever does it? <laughs> yeah, I mean, you could become an expert in it by by training yourself, learning, and and getting the right information. Uh, the problem is there's so much bad information out there. What's good and what's bad? So. Uh, I'm actually fortunate. I've I've got a real good team of people that does the work for me, 
but if you're in an industry that is hyper competitive, it, it's, it's a lot harder and it, you can't do that on your own. And the way you tell how competitive an industry is, is if you go to your main search term and you, you type in that search term in, in Google, it'll say X amount of results in X amount of time. So if, if you've got over 300,000 competing pages in Google uh, that show up for that key search term, um, if, if you're under that 300 threshold, there's tools in WordPress that you can plug in that'll get you some, some relevant placement a little bit. Okay. And you can kind of get get started that way. You'll never go the full mile, but you'll at least you'll at least start the race that way. If you're over that three hundred thousand mark of competing pages in Google, you're going to have a really hard time getting there unless you get really lucky or you've got somebody who really knows what they're doing. Gotcha, gotcha. That makes sense. Well, and you know, one thing I've seen about entrepreneurs when you first start your business, you know, a lot of guys do a, do a lot of stuff themselves. DIY is kind of their middle name. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you reach a point as an entrepreneur where you got to start focusing on, you know, what it is that you are really, truly gifted at and then have a team around you to do the things that you're not so good at or that you don't have time for. And I, I catch myself and over the years I've, you know, I've had it happen over and over and over again. And I realize I've got to get somebody to do these things. And every year I'm evaluating my goals and I look at them, I say, what are the things that only Doug Parker can do? And what are the things that I can delegate to someone else? So delegate and elevate. And it sounds to me like, you know, like I said, unless you're just a code writer or something, you're probably far better served to, you know, get a professional to help out because, you know, it's it's a very rapid changing deal. And I hear about all these different Google updates and we can get into that later, but Google Panda or whatever the, the current top <laughs> yeah. secret word is. Mm -hmm. um, but, uh, you know, so what, what we'll do is we'll, we'll get into a little bit more of that as we wrap up this segment. Um, you know, in, in the next segment, we're going to be talking about entrepreneurship, James' relationships with other entrepreneurs, their fears, things that he's gone through, and much more right here on the Ambitious Radio Network. So good to have you here on the show today. Texas Money and Business and our friend Doug Parker with Ambitious Radio Network. A great guest as always, Doug. It's good to have you here. Hey, great to be here. And uh, again, these new callers, KEXB, Experts in Business, 6.20 a.m. It's a new signal, but the same great content. And we're, uh, we're so happy to be uh, on this new stream. It's, it's got a lot more uh, power at nighttime, during the daytime. It's being be, be heard all over the DFW Metroplex. So it's fantastic to have it. Uh, a little bit something to get used to, but you know what they say, out of change comes chaos, and then out of chaos comes order. So uh, it's a little chaotic, but hey, we're getting it figured out. So um, we've got James Coleman here with us with Online Edge. He is an expert as it relates to websites and content on websites, Facebook, generating leads, those kinds of things. And so I hear a lot of questions from people from time to time that they've got a website, but it may be just like an online brochure where they are personally, hey, go check out my website. Go to whatever.com and see what we have to offer. But what James really specializes in is when you've got that website sitting out there organically generating traffic or having ads on Facebook. And, you know, one of the things that, that I've learned over the years is that stuff you see on Facebook, it is highly targeted. They know your age, whether you're male, female, I mean, whether you went to college or not, what kind of household you live in, how much income. It's crazy what they can do. But, um, James, tell, tell us a little bit. I mean, you know, you're an entrepreneur. Uh, I've known you for, I don't know, over a decade. And as long as I've known you, you've kind of been an entrepreneurial guy. Even if you're working for someone, you always got something else going. But what made you really finally decide to jump out there, do your own company, and just make it happen? 
Well, I'll tell you the exact moment I decided to go back out on my own again. Uh, I was in corporate America working for a large company, and I had a huge deal that was ready to close. It would have been a life-changing deal. And uh, the manager decided, hey, I want this deal to be my deal. So he jumped in, and of course, he blew it up. He had no relationship and just blew the deal up. So I called the, the company back that was going to sign on with us, and I said, hey, you know, what happened? And they said, well, you know, we were really just looking for just a little bit extra to, to, to drag this deal across the line, and we spoke to so-and-so, and man, he's just an idiot. I, we'll never do business with, with your company as long as he's working there. And I was like, whoa, okay. So, I mean, I took a step back, you know, hung up the, hung up the call. I went into my manager's office and said, hey, you know, we had that deal wrapped up. We were very close, um, you know, but he said he won't do any business because of, of what you what you said to him. What, what did you say? He said, hey, close the door. I said, okay. So I closed the door and he sits back in his chair, puts his hands behind his head like he's superior to me. And he says, you know what your problem is, James? I said, no, sir, I, I don't know what my problem is. He goes, you don't have the right, the right keys to be successful in this world. Mm. And I looked at him and I just was flabbergasted. I didn't know what to say. And he goes do you have anything to say about that? I said, no, sir. I said, uh, you know, my mom taught me well that if I don't have anything, anything nice to say, just to keep my mouth shut. And he goes, well, I think this conversation's done. I said, I think you're right. So that day I, uh, I didn't know what I wanted to do yet, but I left knowing I couldn't allow somebody else to be in charge of my destiny like that. So, um, like you mentioned earlier, I'm, I'm involved with my church and we, uh, we were a new church at the time, and we were not growing. We only had uh, three or four families that were coming to the church. And one of one of our elders, he's a uh, he's an executive at a large ad agency. He said, "Hey, why don't we do something real drastic here? Why don't we take our whole advertising budget and put it into Facebook?" And we had, I mean, we had nothing to lose. So we're like, "Okay, sure." So we did that. Two months later, our church was about 150 people strong and growing every week. And I was in charge of greeting. People would come in the door. Hey, how did you hear about us? Well, we saw your advertisement on Facebook. We saw that uh, so-and-so goes here um, on Facebook. Uh, and, and our growth was just massive. And it was all coming through our connections on Facebook that we were making. So at that moment, I knew there's a business here. We could serve small businesses and help them generate business by having a good social campaign. Immediately, what I did is I started putting together uh, a little team of, of, of people who just needed a little bit of extra cash on the side. Went out and got a, a few clients that I, that I was friends with. So I, I told them, hey, if this works, you can pay me. If not, um, you know, it was a fun ride. Uh, we, we tested out about five different verticals, realized that the brick and mortar locations were the easiest low-hanging fruit. And uh, so I decided at that point, hey, I've got a business. I'm leaving corporate America. Man, that's that's crazy. You know, it's funny that you say the the part about the boss said you didn't have what it takes. You know, the the uh, I was talking to one of my business partners actually last week on uh, last Tuesday, and his cousin, his first cousin is Chris Tomlin, the Christian singer, mm -hmm. and you know he's just a good old East Texas boy, brand, born in Grand Sling, Texas, out out east of here. And um, when he went to Tyler Junior College, he, he he was telling me that he had tried out for something in the choir or something at the college. And the, the, the person told him kind of the same thing, man, you don't have the chops for this. You're not seriously like, like you're not a, a music major, are you? And, you know, now the guy's the you know number one selling, you know, 
uh, artist ever in history or something, you know, yeah. in Christian music. So, you know, that's it's funny how the world has a way of kind of kicking people when they're down, especially. And then, you know, it's not about what, you know, what you're doing when you're down. It's a, it's about what you do, you know, when you get up. And I've got a thing on my wall here on Abraham Lincoln and perseverance and all the failures. And we'll probably go over that one of these days. But it lists this probably 10 or 12 failures that are significant. Bankruptcy, loss of a, of a wife, I think it maybe even a divorce, uh, lost Senate race, lost this, lost that, lost a business. And then in the end, it, it talks about, and, and it doesn't say what his name is till the end, and it says, then he signed his name, you know, as the president of the United States, Abraham Lincoln. And wow. after significant failure, seemingly his whole life. So uh, it's interesting how entrepreneurs, you know, I don't think anybody when their kid grows up and says, hey, when I grow up, I want to be an entrepreneur. That doesn't happen. It's normally through some kind of situation where they're tired of dealing with a boss, tired of, uh, you know, some kind of situation where they can't get stuff handled the way they want to handle it or whatever, and, and they just put something together. So we got a couple minutes left here, and, and let's talk a, a little bit about fears you might have. I mean, sure. I get the thing getting upset. I get somebody, you know, doing something to do you wrong. You're like, I am done. I'm out. But there's a difference between I'm done, I'm out, I quit, I'm going to go get another job, and I'm done, I'm out, and I'm going to go start this thing and, and conquer the world. So what fears did you have? Well, they were big fears. Uh, since I'd already lost a business previously, uh, it was only my wife and I when, when, our, when our business failed the first time. Uh, now I had two kids uh, that were small in diapers, uh, and I had only saved about three or four months worth of ramp for myself and my family. So I had to make this, I had to replace my income in three months or I was going to have to go back and get a job. That was the bottom line financially because I'm, I'm feeding a wife and two kids. So my biggest fear was just failure in general, that I wasn't going to be able to, to communicate the value of my service to the point where people would say, yeah, I want to go with you, James. This is great. Uh, and uh, I almost realized that fear. I, I left corporate America in October. And uh, I remember my wife and I having a conversation January 1st. She said, hey, uh, James, when are you going to bring home some money? You know, we're, we're, our bank accounts are starting to get low. Mm -hmm. I said, baby, give me two weeks. <laughs> give me two weeks. I've got a healthy pipeline. And, man, I don't think I slept that two weeks. I, I mean, I was making phone calls, sending emails. And finally, at the 16th of January, 2011, I, uh, I left the house just feeling defeated, but I had four meetings set up that day. I had met with three of the companies previously a couple of times. Um, all four of those companies signed up with me on the spot that day. Man, that is amazing. That, that really is. You know, it kind of reminds me of my story. You know, I, I had done several entrepreneurial things, but they were always were supplemental to my core business. And in 2003... I really felt like I wanted to jump out and do my own business full time. However, I was making about, I don't know, 15 grand a month. And it was a situation where, you know, whatever it was, 20, 26, 27 years old. You know, I, I'm not a college uh, grad or anything. That was a fantastic living. And I'd been, you know, at this, at this uh, uh, particular place for six years. I was maxed out on all the benefits. And one Saturday afternoon, my boss said something crazy. And uh, I was like, I'm out. I ain't doing this no more. And I went home, and my wife's like, what are you doing home it's in the, you know, on a Saturday? I was like, I'm pretty sure I just quit. She's like, what? What are we going to do for insurance? What are we going to do for this? I'm like, I don't know. We'll figure it out. 
she's and then you know the, the difference between men and women is different you know they they mm-hmm. like the comfort of consistency and and they're not hunters they're more the gatherers you know naturally so there's there's there are obviously several women out there that are probably better hunters than I am but bottom line is my wife was more the gatherer type and she was not liking what I was saying and I made the same commitment to her I said hey look if I can't make at least X amount of dollars in the next 90 days, I'll go back in, you know, into the car business and, you know, we'll, we'll go from there. But I, it, it's really a rough business on your family with all the hours and all those kinds of things. And so, but by God's grace, you know, for whatever reason, he, he, he had it out for me to, to have a little bit of success and, you know, never looked back, had a, had a couple of, uh, a couple good years and went on a good run, was able to have an Inc. 500 company, one of the fastest growing private health companies in America. And all that out of somebody really just making me mad one day and saying, I'm done with this. And so it sounds like your story is very similar to that. And, and you've got a very, uh, very successful business as well. We've got a, about a minute or two here. So if you could throw out for me one thing real quick. Uh, if you had one piece of advice for uh, a, a, you know, a new entrepreneur, what would, you, what would you tell them? Well, that's an easy one. Make sure you can tell the difference between what's urgent and what's not. Delegate the non-urgent tasks, and you handle the urgent tasks at first. Man, that is fantastic advice. It really, really is. So uh, appreciate that. we got a couple things. Uh, we're going to go over here in just a few minutes. With James, you know, he's got a very interesting story, some of the business things that he's done over the years. We'll get into that right here on the Ambitious Radio Network, KEXP, Experts in Business, 628. It is Texas Money and Business. So good to have you here on the show today. And a great show with our host, Doug Parker, with the Ambitious Radio Network. Doug, it's all yours, my friend. Well, thanks so much. And yeah, Ambitious Radio Network, if you miss anything on the show, go to AmbitiousRadio.com or like us on Facebook, The Ambitious Radio Network. Also, if you miss the show or you're catching the tail end of it and you want to hear the whole show, go to the website. We've got the uh, the guests on there, and we've also got a podcast on iTunes that you can tune into. So we're trying to get more technologically advanced here as we uh, continue to, to try to get better at this stuff. So as we kind of start wrapping up here, you know, there's a lot of different things that I'm sure people are asking, wondering about this, you know, website, this, you said TXT dot whatever robots and all this kind of stuff. But uh, you gave us some advice a minute ago that was fantastic, you know, for entrepreneurs as urgent, not urgent and, and delegate the not urgent. But one other question I've got for you is that if James Common, the James Common today could go back and talk to the, the guy 10 years ago, James Common, what would you tell yourself if you could do that? Spend more time with your kids. That's uh, when I was younger, I have my two little boys who are now nine and 10. When they were three and four, I didn't spend very much time with them. And uh, looking back, I'm never going to get those years back. So today I spend as much time as I can with my family. And so 10 years ago, I wish I would have gone back and told myself, hey, you've got a new little baby. You need to spend every moment you can with this with this child. Man, that that's that's fantastic. I'm I'm a couple uh, couple steps down the down the uh, aisle from you on that one. You know, I've got a 19 or she'll be 19 in a couple couple weeks and a 20 year old, and so my kids are 21 months apart. And the very same thing. And and here's the thing: at some point, your kids will want to spend less time with you. So yeah. that that window starts to close, and dad's not you know cool dad anymore. It's like, oh my goodness, what do you want? 
And I've uh, I heard that advice before, and, and it's great to continue to have it reinforced because your window for influence on your children starts to close, and, and you really want to have your fingerprints on it. So I think a lot of the problems in this world today is because of the lack of fathers interaction with their children and and so um you know that's that's great advice love it love it love it uh james let me ask you this how much sleep do you get at night i mean i heard you say the other day that whenever you left your your nine to five that you almost didn't sleep for a month but but on now that you've got it all under control and figured out what's an average night look like for you i need seven and a half to eight hours of sleep to function properly yeah me and you both me and you both so do you go to bed like the same time every night and get up the same time uh I would like to say yes, because that's more healthy, but no. <laughs> <laughs> gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Well, so, you know, let me ask you, as far as mentoring goes, you know, are there any people that, that are currently mentoring you or anybody, CEOs, things along those lines that you're currently following? You know, uh, I'm actually really fortunate. I've got some really good people around me that are, uh, that are business leaders that I look up to and that I'm in personal relationship with. Um, uh, one of the ones I spend the most time with in, in a mentoring relationship. His name's Mike Rubin. Uh, he owns a, a, a business brokerage firm. And when you're in business, you want to know, you know, what does the end game really look like? What do you need to know now to be successful in 10 years? Uh, and he has, he has worked closely with so many businesses. He's just a huge wealth of knowledge. Uh, and on top of that, he used to be a fantastic sales coach. Um, we've developed a really strong friendship over the last 12 years. And it's even to the point to where, uh, man, if I have a bad week or I have a bad day, man, I can call him up and he'll just say, hey, let's stop. Let's pray right now. Uh, so he's, I'd say, the probably the closest mentor I have right now. Uh, but as far as following CEOs, man, I love Shark Tank. Okay. <laughs> I love watching Shark Tank. I love watching uh, all those guys negotiate. I love watching uh, my favorite one on there is, uh, is Lori Grenier. I just I think she's a stand-up person, and, and man, everything she touches seems to turn to gold. Have you seen that West Texas something or another? Uh, oh yeah, West Texas Investors Club. That's another one I'm addicted to. I love that show. Man, Those I kids are crazy. I can't get into that, man. They're 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 uh, I don't know, man. They're not they're a little less sophisticated, but they're sharp. But there's something different about them. I had maybe I hadn't spent enough time in it. So you recommend I go watch that one, huh? Yeah, I watched a few episodes because they're crazy. That's what I like about it. They're just nuts. Yes, I saw that. I saw that. So what do you do to recharge? Man, I'm, I love golf. Uh, I, I play golf as, as much as I can. Uh, I used to uh, used to play quite a bit. Now I, I, I get out about once a week to play golf. Just, just a few hours with a couple of buddies uh, and just hang out, just take in the scenery and try to score a low. Yeah, absolutely. What what about uh, what about vacations? Are you a guy that actually takes a vacation and unplugs? I do. I take two to three vacations a year. Uh, one with my family, one with my uh, uh, my parents and um, brothers and sisters, and then one I go on with my wife and myself. Uh, we love to go to Cabo. It's our our favorite location. Uh, as a matter of fact, uh, we'd love to move to Cabo in the next several years, if, if uh, Lord willing. Uh, it's just a beautiful place. It's slower pace of life, and God, it's just beautiful. Yeah, I've never, I've never been to Cabo, I man. I, I like, uh, I like Costa Rica, but the same thing. It's at slower mm-hmm. pace, and you know, guys like you and I, it, it, it's, it's a, uh, it's hard to slow down. And for whatever reason, I, I seem to be able to slow down a little bit. Now, let me ask you this: When you go on vacation, do you really check out and like turn off the phone, turn off the email? I'm gone. Don't talk to me for nine or ten days. Or are you carving out a little bit of time every day to catch up with? the necessary stuff. 
On two of the vacations, absolutely. When I'm with my wife or it's uh, uh, with my kids, yes. I, uh, I might, if I've got something going on, I might check my email once or twice during the week, but I am gone. Uh, I just do not take phone calls. I don't, uh, I don't respond quickly to anything. Uh, but when I'm on my vacation with my brothers, sisters, and my mom and dad, yeah, I will, I'll work on that vacation if I have to. It's more of a, you know, everybody's moving around. It's not a very re relaxing vacation. Yeah, no, I, I hear you on that. And that's something I've, you know, I've got to work on for sure. It's that, that's a tough one is really unplugging, making sure, you know, delegating and, and those kinds of things is good to do. And obviously, I mean, if you, can't forward somebody an email or, or whatever, then you're not delegating very well. So, you know, one of the things uh, that, that I definitely want to do is, is to thank you, James, for taking time out of your busy schedule as an entrepreneur to spend with us, talk to us about your story, talk to us about some of the things that you're doing in your business. If someone wanted to get in touch with you, they've got a question on a website or how to generate leads or whatever, how would they get a hold of you? Sure. Go to youronlineedge.com. Uh, and you can reach out to us directly from there. Uh, myself or one of my team members will, will get in contact with you and we'll set up a meeting. Cool. Well, hey, we've got a couple minutes left. And, you know, one of the things I was talking to someone today said, hey, look, Doug, you got all this knowledge on credit and you don't really talk about it a lot. It's more entrepreneurs. So throw a little bit of tips in there that has to do with credit. So I'm going to do that real quick. This week's tip, we're going to talk about, you know, when you go to Target, when you go to a lot of these places, they'll give you 10% off whenever you apply. Uh, I don't do a whole lot of shopping at Target, but my family does. But one of the things that I tell clients and, and others is that, hey, if you're going down and spending 100 grand on something and they're going to give you 10% off, well, great, save yourself 10 grand. But most of the time at Walmart, Target, whatever the case is, you know, you're probably not going to spend that kind of money. It's maybe a couple hundred bucks, two, 300 bucks. So you might save 20, 30 bucks. Every time there's an inquiry on your credit report, it negatively impacts your scores, and a new account will do the same thing. And it also gives you a piddly little, you know, three, four, five hundred dollar card that more than likely it's going to be close to being maxed out, and that's another area that, that hurts your credit score. So I really don't recommend doing that. Put everything on a, you know, a Visa MasterCard. Pay it off every single month if you can. If you can't do that, never have a balance over 30%. So on a $10,000 card, never over $3,000 balance at any point during the month, and that will help you to keep your credit scores high. Again, this is Doug Parker with the Ambitious Radio Network. We couldn't do it without our sponsors, freeelectricitydfw.com. All three reports, that's all the number three reports with an S.com and RepairMyCreditNow.com. Tune in Wednesdays for Texas Money and Business from 10 to 11 right here on 620 AM KEXB. Experts in Business, the Ambitious Radio Network. Next week we'll be visiting with Mary Amuedo, and she's a perfect example of motivation in motion. She's in the direct sales industry, has eight years of experience, and is a top income earner in one of the fastest growing companies in American history, Ambit Energy. Remember, you can make money or you can make excuses, but you cannot make both. Go out there and be ambitious.